Proverbs 16, 9 says, We can make our plans, but God, the Lord determines our steps. Listen, don't you love to plan? Aren't some of you in this room, aren't some of you planners? And others of you, maybe not. But listen, the truth is we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. In fact, there's this, um, this old Yiddish saying that goes like this. Man plans... Lord knows what's going to happen and what isn't going to happen. The idea is that despite our most careful, most thoughtful, most intentional planning in life, life, life is uncertain. Have you ever noticed that in your life that some of the things that you plan for just don't always work out? I've sure noticed that in my life. In fact, this week I began thinking about what were those things that I, that I had planned and that I was pretty sure about? And, and I, I came up with a lot of things. For example, I didn't end up at the college that I was sure that I was going to attend. All my older brothers, they all went to Michigan State University. I was, I was pretty sure that's where I was going to end up, but that, that's not where I went. I didn't marry the first girl that I thought I was going to marry. Anybody else in the room? And I thank the Lord for that. And let me tell you, that's why we have laws that you're not allowed to marry your kindergarten teacher. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, Miss Gebbia, she was fine. She was fine. You know what? I, I told people for years, man, I'm going to retire when I'm 50. I had no idea how much fun I was going to be having. Why would you want to do something like that? I told um, people who, who asked me, about three months before we ended up coming to Hopkinsville for the first time, they'd ask, where, where do you think you're headed next? I would have told them, man, it looks to me, all signs are pointing that we're, we're headed back to Arkansas. That's, that's where we're headed. And listen, I could go on and on and on. Man plans, and God, he just, he laughs. You get the point. But I think we ought to take that old saying, and we ought to, we ought to flip it upside down. We ought to flip that to say, God plans... And we laugh. Not that we're laughing that God's plans don't come to fruition because they do, but rather that we laugh with delight. We laugh with joy. We, we laugh with relief and exuberance at the goodness of the plans that God makes for us. Let me tell you, God is a planner. He makes the plan he works the plan, and step by step, his plan comes to be, and his plan is for your good. That's actually this journey that we're on, that we're calling on this very spot. We're going back and, and looking at all the plans that God was putting together for you and for me. In fact, I want you to listen to what John wrote in his gospel at the very beginning of that. He, he wrote these words. He said, the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. That's what we're studying. Step by step, we're seeing this plan that God had for us to experience his glory. You know, as we began this, this journey, we began with that almost impossible to believe story of a father told to sacrifice his son, his, his only son, the son that he loved so much. 
And of course, the whole twist of that story is that you, you begin to realize at the end that only God could do what we could never do in that circumstance. And then we walk with Moses through the wilderness, and specifically, we walk with him around the table of this Passover celebration where God himself spreads a table before his people, not only for the nation of Israel, but even for those of us that the Bible called the rabble, those that just go along for the journey, he makes a place for us there. And then last week we watched as King David stepped to the threshing floor, that place where divine wrath and divine mercy met. And try as he might, even King David was not able to pay the debt for his sin. He came up woefully short, and we realized that Jesus had to pay it all. And today, at that same very spot, David's son Solomon is going to build a temple for God on that place. Now, a temple is usually our attempt to make a way to get to God. A temple is a place where we try to meet God. And every culture, every people group, every tribe, every tongue, every nation has come up with all kinds of temples that you can see to this very day all around the world. And every temple is the same thing. It is our attempt to create a place where we can come to God and find our way to God. We all build our temples to God. But that's not what we're reading about today. This is God's temple because God made plans and he made plans to invite us in and Solomon just happens to be the one who in this journey is called on to raise the roof on that very spot. So let me invite you to open your Bibles with me today. We're going to begin in 1 Kings chapter 6. And while you're looking to find that in your own Bibles, let me take just a minute to introduce myself if we've not yet met. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors around here. And listen, if we've not formally met, I would love nothing more than to meet you in the commons after this service and for you to introduce yourself to me. One of the things we ask everybody to do every week is to fill out that digital connect card. The easiest way to do that is to scan that QR code on the listening guide that you were handed when you came into the room. And there you can share with us any prayer requests that you have. Not only will I be praying for you, but the entire leadership team of our church will be praying for you as well. Now, before we read a few verses here together, I just want to point out to you that when it comes to God's temple plans, you could really read chapter after chapter after chapter. I mean, it goes on and on. It's 1 Kings chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9. Then you could flip over to 2 Chronicles chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Honestly, this is one of those places in the Bible. If you're on that journey where you like to read the Bible through, it's one of those places you're going to hit fast forward. Oh, don't look at me like you don't. I know, I've been there too. I mean, you get to, down into the weeds and the details, and it's just like, what in the world? I mean, who cares about, you know, the windows and the crown molding and the bowls and the poles that they carried the ark with? It's like, what in the world? Well, listen, the point of all of it is simply this. God has the plans. 
And he is a great planner. And he knows all of the details. And he works in all of those details for your good and for your delight according to his purpose. God plans and we get to rejoice. This is good news. This temple, his temple, is all about God inviting you in. So let's begin reading chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. This is what God's Word says. It was in mid-spring, in the month of Ziv, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign, that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide running across the entire width of the temple. It projected outward 15 feet from the front of the temple. Solomon also made narrow, recessed windows throughout the temple. Inspiring, right? I mean, you read that, and, and let's just be honest, it's like your mind can kind of go, go numb with all of those details. But here's the point that I want you to see. God is inviting you in. And the first thing that I want you to see is that he invites you in so that he might provide what you cannot. That he might provide for you what you cannot provide for yourself. Now that's the beginning of the temple building. You can go over to chapter 7 in First uh, Kings to the very end of that, so you might want to go just to, to chapter 8, and this is how it finishes, how he wraps it up. This is what it says. So King Solomon finished all his work on the temple of the Lord, and then he brought all the gifts his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, the various articles, and he stored them in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. And ver chapter 8 then says this, Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral families of the Israelites. They were to bring the ark of the Lord's covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. So they bring all of these items in and everything comes to a conclusion it's the conclusion of the building now i want you to notice that ark that it talked about that's the same ark that god gave moses and gave him incredible details and design plans that he was to build in the wilderness he gave them at that at sinai that ark had gone with them every step of the journey all through the wilderness that ark went before them when they went into battle as a nation. And the point of the ark was simply this. That was a way of saying God was showing up in their presence. And show up he did. 
In fact, just a few verses later from where we stopped reading, if you look over at verse 10 and 11, listen to how it tells us that God showed up at this temple. It says, when the priest came out, verse 10, when the priest came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priest couldn't even continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Now, this is one of those stories that you could read here, but you can also read it over in 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, gives us a few more details about what happened at that moment when that cloud filled the temple. Listen to what it says, verse 1, beginning with chapter 7. It says, When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple for the Lord, uh, of the Lord because of his glorious presence, and the Lord filled it. I mean, you talk about a wow moment. There's this amazing moment where there's this flashing fire that rains down on the altar. What was God doing here? I tell you, this is a picture of God doing what only God can do. He was the one who was making the sacrifice for sin acceptable. And in fact, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that God does this on repeat. It happens over and over again. In fact, God did it for, for Moses when they first dedicated the tabernacle. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. Listen to the similarity. Fire blazed from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when the people saw this, they shouted with joy, fell face down on the ground. Let's, and not only that, same thing happened for David last week when he was there on the threshing floor. Listen to what it said. First uh, Chronicles chapter 21, 26. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. Same thing happened. He's going to do it again also. Many of you might remember the story of Elijah in the contest with the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18. Listen to what it says. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust, and even licked up the water in the trench. What in the world does this mean? Listen, anytime you see something in the Bible that's repeated over and over and over again, repetition means pay attention. Repetition means pay attention. So what is the message here? Listen, God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that falling fire is a picture of God being present in the morning, in that moment, to do what we cannot do. He alone is the one who makes forgiveness possible. You see, you need to see but it's not just about what God did back then with Moses, with David, with Solomon, with Elijah. It's actually pointing ahead to what God will do and still does in his people through his son Jesus. You see, listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Think about that fire falling from heaven over and over and over again. And Acts says, And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Do you get it? What God did then and there, he continues to do here and now. He does it in his people. His fire falls on our lives so that our lives might become to him an acceptable sacrifice. God wants to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And that's the only way that you and I can come to him. He invites you in. Listen, there might be some of you in this room right now, some of you that are watching, and you find yourself in a place right now, you're in a spot and you're in a struggle, and you feel like you're so far from God. You can, you can feel it in your heart that, you, that you're not where you need to be. Listen, the way through the struggle isn't you somehow mustering the strength and kind of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and doubling down on your plans. The way through the struggle is always the same. You surrender. And you allow God to do for you what you cannot do in yourself. I mean, think about those, those pictures that we saw of baptism this morning. What did those individuals do in the baptistry waters really they didn't do anything did they they just surrendered they were literally all in it was something that was was done to them the journey of faith our hope of salvation the the gift of forgiveness every bit of it begins by us just coming to god and accepting what it is that god has already done for us but don't make this mistake. This temple thing, it wasn't just about what God could do for us and provide for us. You know, it's so tempting for us to begin to think of God like he's some kind of cosmic butler, right? You need something? You call him up. You expect him to do it for you. But let me tell you, he offers you something so much greater than just the things that you want him to provide. He invites you in, number two, so that you might be with him. And listen, I'm going to ask Pastor Paxton to come and share this part of the message today. Amen. So not only does God provide for you, but as Pastor Kevin said, he wants you to be able to experience his presence. You know, there's something amazing about, about God's presence, and I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but when you are in God's presence, there is absolutely nothing that you wouldn't do to be able to get back there. So let's take a look at a couple more verses from the plans that, that God laid out on this very spot. It comes from 1 Kings chapter 6 again, beginning in verse 11. It says, Then the Lord gave the message to Solomon concerning this temple you are building. If you keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all my commands, I will fulfill through you the promise that I made to your father, David. Don't miss this last part. I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people Israel. You see, God promises his presence 
Just like he was with Moses in the Exodus and lived and dwelled among his people, so too God offers his presence. God declares to Solomon, I'm with you. Isn't that what you need? Isn't that what we all need and what we all want? God's presence? You see, God still makes that same promise to us. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You see, this is a picture of what happens, of what's present in our worship. He inhabits the praise of his people. You see, when we worship, God moves in and, and dwells in our praise. Isn't that an incredible picture of what takes place in our worship? And listen, there, there's something special about being in worship. Now, I'm not talking about just watching it happen. But I'm talking about participating in it. You see, when we worship, that prepares us to experience God in a fresh way. This past January, January of this year, I had the opportunity to take a group of uh, young adults to the Passion Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, if you're not familiar with the, the Passion Conference, it's a, a conference specific for young adults, uh, those 18 to 25. And, and this year we had somewhere between 55 and 60,000 people uh, gathered together to worship. And I'm excited because... If everything goes as planned, we're going to take a group from Newark next year. But let, let me share with you just a glimpse of what that worship was like. That's just a glimpse. And in those moments of worshiping with thousands of people together, I caught a glimpse too. I caught a glimpse, and it's just a glimpse of, of what heaven must be like. Can you imagine gathering together with generations and thousands of people worshiping the Lord? In one of those sessions at the Passion Conference, uh, we were singing and, and, and worshiping the Lord, and the people leading the worship stopped singing, but everyone in the building continued to sing. And then after a while, the, the band members quit playing any music, but but everybody continued to sing. We're singing about the, the holiness of God. And, and in that moment, friends, I was completely at a loss for words. I could not get a thing to come out. Because in those moments, in that moment, all I could think about was the presence of God, his holiness. And I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but all I could think about was around the throne, worship never stops. Forever and ever, worship never ends around the throne. And in that moment, I got a glimpse of heaven, and I got a glimpse of his presence. Have you ever experienced something like that? Have you ever experienced one of those moments where you get God's presence in worship? That's exactly what's described in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Verses 13 and 14 say this, The trumpeters and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, check this out, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Ooh, God stopped them in their tracks with his presence. 
Have you ever had such an experience? Maybe even today, maybe you're here out of habit, or maybe you're here because someone asked you to come, or maybe you're here because, well, you're not really sure why, but you felt like you needed to be here. Could it be, is it, is it possible that God was inviting you into his presence? That God wanted you to be here so you might encounter him? You see, it's not about the place. It's not just about what God can do. It's about being with him. And there's something about being in his presence that transforms us. But you have to show up, friends. In order to be in his presence, you've got to respond to his invitation. He's inviting you in. In fact, showing up is the beginning of the faith journey. Maybe that's why in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Did you hear that? Showing up is not just important, it's essential. Let me challenge you today. What is the next step that you need to take and getting close or coming into the presence of the Lord. I've had many people tell me through the years, hey, Paxton, man, I, man, I want to get closer to the Lord. I just want to get closer to Jesus. And I've got to be honest with them when I hear them say that because that sounds like the right thing to say for them. But when they say, I want to get closer to the Lord, my response is always, no, you don't. And the reason I can say, no, you don't, is because I believe that God doesn't keep anybody at arm's distance. If you want to get closer to the Lord, you can. God's not keeping you away. If you want to be close to him, he's inviting you in. So let me ask you, if you say, hey, I want to get closer to the Lord, let me ask you, are, are you in his word? Are you in a small group? Listen, we're on the very uh, beginning, on the front edge of planning uh, some experiments with lots of, new, uh, lots of new small group options in the coming year. What, how about you being open to, to being a part of one of those? See, showing up matters. Someone has said that showing up is 90% of discipleship. Are you showing up in the word? Are you showing up and being devoted to your chair time, time in God's word? Showing up is just the beginning. How about showing up in prayer? Solomon prayed an impossible prayer. He really did. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 18, Solomon says, Will God really live on earth among people? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I've built. In other words, he asked God to do the impossible. And listen to this, even when we fail, even when we pull away, even when we slip back into sin, God promised that there's a way back into his presence. Remember these words from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. That prayer is from the temple dedication on the very spot that we're discussing. Isn't that the prayer that we still so desperately need as his people? It begins with you and me, friends, praying that, showing up in his presence. You see, God invites you in so that he might provide what you need and never could provide for yourself. But God also invites you in so that you might be with him. And friends, I want you to know this morning, he opens the door. So God invites you in so that you can 
be the recipient of what he provides that you can't have for yourself and then secondly he invites you in so that you can experience his presence and the third thing is this God invites you in so that you might become his people reaching people listen there's one last detail that I want you to see in this temple dedication on this very spot Solomon remembers and it goes all the way back to the words that God first spoke to Abraham do you remember the promise that God gave him he said this that all the families on the earth will be blessed through you God's promise was for all people for all time and so too even the doors of this temple swung wide open Solomon prayed at the dedication listen to these words he said this in the future in other words he's praying not just about that moment he's praying about right now in the future he said foreigners well who's that well that's us that's you and me he's praying for us foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you they will come from distant lands because of your name for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm and when they pray toward this temple then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you in this way all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you just as your own people do they too will know that this temple I have built honors your name listen from the very beginning God was inviting his people to be inviting all people that they might come to know God himself do you understand that's our mission that's our calling as a church you see this temple that we've been reading about today really it's just the first temple there's going to be several temples that we see over the next couple of weeks but from the very beginning God knew that this temple is temporary he's not really building a temple of stone but rather that you would actually become his temple Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? From the very beginning, that's his intention, that you are the temple of God, that his presence in you, his provision in you is just his way of forming you into his people who by your very presence in this world begins inviting others into his presence. Listen, when you came in today, not only did you get a listening guide, but you also got one of these. We call them an impact card. Let me encourage you to take this out and get this in your hand for, for just a minute. Let me share with you what this is for. This is for you, and what we're asking you to do is to identify three people in your life 
that, man, you would love to see them come to God. You would love to see these individuals make a turn towards the Lord. You would love to see these individuals repent and return to God. And what we're going to ask you to do, first of all, is we're going to ask you to keep this. You're not turning this into us. This is only for you, so you're going to hold on to this. And what we want to ask you to do is to identify those three names, write down three names. And then what we want you to do is place this somewhere that you see it every day so that you'll be reminded to pray for those individuals on a daily basis. There is something that happens when God's people pray specifically for salvation. So we're going to ask you to write down three names and then pray for those people. Second thing we want you to do with this, not only do you pray for them, but did you pray that God would give you opportunities to have spiritual conversations with those people? And I know that can, that, can, that can freak us out a little bit. Be easier if we just, can we have them come have a conversation with you? Listen, nobody wants to talk to a professional. They want to talk to somebody that loves them and that's a friend. So you pray that the Lord will help you be aware of those opportunities when you have those spiritual conversations. And the third thing we ask you to do with this is to extend an invitation for them to come with you to New Work Fellowship. Maybe that's going to be at Easter. But you watch for the opportunity to extend that invitation. Make no mistake about it. What God has provided us in God's presence it is all about preparing us so that we can be His people, reaching people. Now, we don't want you to be alone in this. So our response time at the end of the service is going to be a little different. You'll notice that on the front of this card, there's a post-it note. And what we're going to ask you to do is on that post-it note, if you would just write down the first name, first name only. We, we don't want to, you know, uh, compromise anybody's anonymity. So just write down the first name only, and we're going to ask you in a minute to bring that post-it note and to bring it here to the altar. Remember that fire that fell on the altar demonstrating God's presence? Listen, what we're going to pray is that God's fire would fall in the lives of all of these people that you are identifying and that their lives will be changed. So we want you just to write down those names, and during this time of response, we're going to give you an opportunity to bring that post-it note to the front and light and lay it at the altar. Now, I'm also going to ask our pastors and our elders and their spouses uh, that are in the room, if you would go ahead, get up, and make a, a move to the front. We're going to have them at the front. And here's the thing. They're going to be here to be available to you. Maybe there's somebody that you just want us to pray specifically for. And we want to partner with you in praying that prayer for those individuals. And so in a moment when we have our response time, you can come and you can just lay these cards on the altar. We're going to pick them up, the, the post-it note. We're going to pick them up so that we can partner with you in prayer. Or you can also bring it, just hand it to one of these that are up here at the front and say, would you pray for these so that we might pray for them. Now listen, I know there's some in the room who, who've got blank cards. And maybe you can't even think of somebody to put on the list. Let me ask you to do this. Would you just pray, God, would you open my eyes? Would you open my eyes so that I can see that those around me, that I'm to be your temple in their presence. Let me invite you to go ahead and stand.
just a minute we're going to begin I'm going to have a word of prayer but we want to ask you to just bring that post-it note to the altar and I know there's a lot in this room it may take a minute that's all right you just come on and if you want to just leave it at the altar you can if you want somebody to pray with you we will be delighted to do that as well would you pray with me God in heaven we thank you for being present with us we thank you for providing that which we cannot provide for ourselves and we thank you that you call us to be your people reaching people so father now as we as your people bring to this altar names on a card father help us to lift them up to you Father, we ask that your spirit would fall in a special way, that lives would be transformed, that people would come to know you, that there would be people that would step into the waters of faith and baptism, that they would celebrate what you have done. Father, we pray that you would interrupt plans to draw your people to yourself. Father, we just ask that on this very spot we would see your spirit at work in an amazing way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me invite you to just come. Just bring those cards and come.